Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, September 10th. Some of you may once again be wondering, Alex, why do you sound a little bit differently today? We changed up the microphones here on today's show. I am using my headset that I will be using during the broadcast of the 2021 Knoxville Showdown, recording this podcast early Saturday morning. Players on court warming up as we speak. If you are looking to get your tennis fix before today's U.S. Open Women's Singles Final starts. Of course, it's going to be such a fun match between Emirata Kanu and Layla Fernandez. Battle of the Teenagers. I want to preview that a matchup at the end of today's show. But if you're looking to get that fill of tennis before the action in New York begins, check out our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Four of the top 25 teams in the country doing battle this weekend at the 2021 Knoxville Showdown. The big story of yesterday, and of course I will talk about these results a little bit today on the show, of a Pepperdine. Looking damn good, winning five of six singles matches against defending NCAA semifinalist Tennessee. Now, of course, Tennessee was down a few players. They didn't have their number one, Adam Walton. There was no number three, Martin Prada. No Pat Harper in the lineup either for them. Nevertheless, Pepperdine, they looked awesome. So did Columbia. So did Kentucky. There are things to enjoy about Tennessee as well. I want to talk about my takeaways from day one of this event. But, of course, the place we have to start today's show. History is upon us. Novak Djokovic now one win away from completing the calendar slam, the first man since Rod Laver to do that in 1969. He also is one win away from eclipsing Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, taking the Grand Slam men's singles total championship, I suppose, for himself. It would be his 21st major title of his career. Took him a dramatic match to get to the final, though. Five-set win for him over Alex Vera. I want to break down that match, talk about how Djokovic ended up in the winner's circle, of course. Daniil Medvedev finds himself in another hardcourt major as well, and you wonder for Djokovic after playing five sets with Zverev, how much does he have left in the tank? He's going to need to find a way to get it back on full in this day off on Saturday because Daniil Medvedev is locked in, folks. Another straight set victory for him was 6-4-7-5-6-2 over 12th seeded Felix Ogier Aliasim. I want to break down what has made Medvedev just such a nightmare matchup for seemingly everyone on the ATP Tour when that matchup occurs on a hard court. I want to give my thoughts again, my preliminary thoughts, I suppose, on the Medvedev-Djokovic final, give you a bit of a preview for Fernandez and Raducanu, and of course, break down day one of the 2021 Knoxville showdown. Of course, before I do any of that, I do want to quickly remind all of you listeners that the reason we're able to do these podcasts day in, day out here on the mini break feed is because of the support we get from all of you who continue to tune in day in, day out, who we are so grateful 
grateful for following along with us at the year's last Grand Slam, this 2021 U.S. Open. Of course, we are also immensely grateful for the support we get from our Patreon family. Now, for those of you curious, they also receive Match of the Days segments each and every day of this U.S. Open, if that's something you would be interested in as we approach the 2022 Grand Slams. Or maybe you just want those Match of the Week segments twice a week like we do anyways for our Crack Rackets patrons. If you are interested in that bonus coverage, interested in supporting our work here at Crack Rackets, you can become a Patreon member today. Just go to our website, CrackedRackets.com. And then, of course, last but not least, the reason we're able to do this podcast is because of the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. Now, I say it all the time. It's a weekend podcast, so I'll just be brief. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 with that in mind. Let's get into it. And I think the place we have to start, last night's nightcap, Novak Djokovic into another U.S. Open final. Believe it's his record ninth U.S. Open final. He earns a 4-6-6-2-6-4-4-6-6-2 victory over fourth-seeded Alex Virev. This match was a track meet. This match was an absolute grind, and perhaps it's a notable data, uh, noticeable data point now. Novak Djokovic losing first sets in his past four matches happened against Nishikori round one, happened against Brooksby round, uh, excuse me, Nishikori round three, Brooksby round four, Berrettini in the quarterfinals, Virev here now in the semifinals takes the first set, and yet it's almost as if Djokovic needs those first sets nowadays to kind of find his rhythm and just work his way into a match physically, figure out, okay, this is working today, this is not working. Oh, this is working for my opponent today. Moving forward, I need to take this away from him. I need to lock in physically over the course of the next three sets. I need to be behind by a set to get the crowd to have my back as well moving forward. And all of these things work for Novak Djokovic. And, you know, again, just watching him play this match, the distance covered, they both averaged about, they ran about six miles, excuse me, five miles in this match of sprints. Imagine doing five miles of sprints while trying to maintain your focus to hit enough forehands in the court, make enough backhands down the line, keep Alex freaking Zverev honest. That's what Novak Djokovic was able to do. And to Zverev's credit, he matched Djokovic, his physicality, he matched him, you know, shot for shot. In that first set, and the biggest weapon in the first set, and honestly, the biggest weapon in this match when it was landing in the court, was the Alex Vera first serve. And you look for him in that first set, 18 of 25 on first serves, that's 72% clip, he's 17 of 18 on first serve points. Five aces against one double fault, doesn't face a break point through the duration of the set. That version of Alex Vera is the version everyone is so afraid of. If he can find that performance, find that serving day in, day out, and most importantly, in the clutchest moments of matches at the biggest stages, everyone else on the men's tour is in trouble. And again, whenever we bring up Zverev, he's been uh, accused of physical and emotional abuse of his former girlfriend, Alia Sharapova, credibly accused. If you haven't, go read Ben Rothenberg's accounts in both Racket Magazine and on Slate.com. But from a tennis perspective, again, Zverev was locked in physically, mentally, just willing to suffer through that first set and willing to be the aggressor from the baseline, willing to take some ch- be willing to take some chances, be willing to make some errors. And, you know, in the match, in that first set, though, what was so impressive is he minimized the errors. Only six unforced errors against eight total winners. Now, five of those eight winners were aces. But again, that shows his willingness to suffer, his willingness to make the match physical. And Djokovic wasn't at that gear in set number one. Now, Set number two, he found it. 
and he found it real quick. Got an early break over Zverev, kind of ran away with that second set. You look at the numbers for Djokovic in that set. Six winners against seven unforced errors. He's uh, 10 of 13 on first serve points, 18 of 26 overall on serve. Meanwhile, uh, Zverev's first serve percentage falls to 55%. Zverev, 3 of 10 on second serve points. Djokovic made him pay whenever he had the opportunity to dictate on a Zverev second serve point. And Look, the problem for Alex Virov in this match and the crux of, you know, I apologize for being brief here, but, you know, again, we've got some matches about to rock and roll. I didn't want to leave you all high and dry without a podcast, but just in the biggest moments, he blinked. He did not have the chops. He did not have the gumption, both in that third set at the end, and, you know, it was 4-5 when Zverev gets broken, and they play that 53-shot rally that Zverev, I believe, ends up winning 4-30-40, and it's just the most miraculous point you know, again, it shows that in in a certain point, on one given point, Alex Virov can look like the best player in the world. But then, you know, the 30-40 point or the second serves he hit in when he got broken to start that fifth set, the missed overhead he had to go down for love in that fifth set. In the biggest moments, he blinked. He just did not have the gumption. He did not have the big match chops to execute the way you need to execute when you're trying to beat Novak Djokovic in a fifth set at a Grand Slam semifinal. And again, credit to Novak Djokovic. I tweeted this yesterday. I thought the zero first serve when it landed was the biggest weapon on the court. I was wrong. The biggest weapon on the court always is Novak Djokovic's brain. His mental resolve, his willingness to suffer, his ability to make adjustments, his ability to pace himself, his ability to just not freaking lose matches when he puts his pedal, uh, his foot on the pedal. You look for him in that fifth set. You know, he wins 73% of his first serves. He, you know, goes 2 of 2 on breakpoint chances, 10 winners against 7 unforced errors. He was just so balanced from start to finish in the match. He played vintage Novak Djokovic tennis. And you look for Djokovic over the course of the match, makes 66% of his first serves, wins 77% of those first serve points, hits 41 winners against 49 unforced errors. But I think part of that is a testament to the pressure Zverev was putting on him because Zverev can grind. Zverev's probably most comfortable when he gets to be 6 to 10 feet behind the baseline, just, you know, absorbing and redirecting the pace of opponents. Of course, he's best when he's stepping up within that baseline and aggressively dictating with his ground strokes, but it's a really tough ask of any player to do over the course of five sets with Novak Djokovic. And, I mean, you still look at the numbers, zero, 49 winners against 50 unforced errors, 16 aces, the eight double faults crushed him. There's no doubt about that. But still, he won 50% of his second serve points compared to Zver- uh, Djokovic's 43. Zverev was going big on that second serve, going for broke, playing to win in those moments. He had his chances. I mean, again, he probably should have won that third set. And after he lost that third set, there was a lot of dunking. I saw an old takes exposed, uh, retweeted a tweet of mine about Djokovic. And by the way, I'm just flattered. I appreciate it. I feel like that means you've made it, right? If one of your takes is worthy of being exposed, probably means it's a good thing. Um, But... I mean, you look for Zverev, he had the match. He probably should, you know, he played Djokovic even in set number three, played one horrible return game, uh, excuse me, service game at the end. Uh, but other than that, you know, they were even on breakpoint chances. Zverev had three, uh, Djokovic had three, Djokovic just was able to convert. And you look at the biggest difference in this match, 
Set one, zero points. He makes 72% of his serves. Set four, zero points. He makes 71% of his first serves. Sets two, three, and five. He made 55, 54, and 59% of his first serves. That's just not going to get the job done. And you look, you know, again, in that third set, especially in that four-love game, there's just... You know, mentally, you could just tell easy first ball errors. He just wasn't locked in. He got rattled by the moment, by the early break. And you just can't have a 10-minute blip like that against Novak freaking Djokovic because he's not just going to go up 2-0. He's going to run up a 4-0 lead on you. And even as Zverev started to inch his way back at the end of that fifth set, it was just too little too late. You're not going to overcome a five-love deficit against Novak Djokovic. I'm sorry. You're just not, particularly when he's got slam 21 and the calendar slam on the line. You look for Novak. I've said it all week long. He's 2% above his career averages right now. Hold percentage, break percentage, first serve win percentage. He's you know five losses on the season. He's 27-0 at the majors. I believe he's 4-0 in five-set matches at the majors. He's now dropped first sets in four consecutive matches. And after coming in as 10-10 and after losing the first set at the U.S. Open, he is now 14-10. and Again, you name it, the history, he's done it for Novak Djokovic now with these victories. Let me just run through the ATP stats quickly uh, that he's accomplished. And again, these come from ATP Media Info. Shout out to them as always. They are one of the best resources in tennis. You look for Novak Djokovic, win streaks he's had at Grand Slams. He won 30 consecutive Grand Slam matches from the 2015 Wimbledon to the 2016 Wimbledon. Of course, that was the stretch of time he won four consecutive majors, not in the same calendar year. He's also won 27 straight twice. From the Australian Open to now, from the 2011 Wimbledon through the 2012 Roland Garros final. Just ridiculous. 2018 Wimbledon to 2019 Roland Garros, where he loses to Dominic Team in the semifinals. Another 26 straight major victories. He's won three in a row, four separate times, and he's been two wins away from winning five in a row, uh, excuse me, four in a row, three different times. What are we doing here, folks? You look for Novak Djokovic, ninth U.S. Open. That's the most uh, finals, the most of the Open era. He's got nine. Pete Lendl have eight. Connors Federer have seven. Most Grand Slam finals of all time, Djokovic. Now, ties Roger Federer with 31. Djokovic, 20 and 10 in those finals. Roger, 20 and 11. Rafa, 20 and 8. He's got 28. Lendl, 19. Sampras, 18. Labor, 17. You do look tomorrow, by the way. Uh, Djokovic versus Daniil Medvedev will be the fourth U.S. Open men's semifinal between the top two seeds of the last 25 years. Each of those times, the top two seeds have faced off. 2011, top seeded Novak Djokovic versus Rafael Nadal. 2013, top-seeded Novak Djokovic versus uh, second-seeded Rafael Nadal. 2015, top-seeded Novak Djokovic, second-seeded Roger Federer. 2021, top-seeded Novak Djokovic, Daniil Medvedev. It gets to a point, folks. What are we doing here? I know this is from at Anna K. Forever, Old Gas, who's one of my favorite follows on Twitter. This is only the second time in the Open era that there are the same two players to reach the Australian and U.S. Open finals in the same season. The other time that happened was 1995, shout out, when it was Andre Agassi taking on Pete Sampras. I mean, again, folks, what are we doing here? Novak Djokovic, he's the best. And this sort of win, this sort of moment, it's just... It's absolutely incredible what this guy is able to do, uh, just match in, match out. You think the tank is empty, and then he ends up getting the job done. And, you know, again, forehand, backhand, drop. Oh, how about the drop shot combo he hit? So the, the flick, so he hits this drop shot, and then he hits this flick cross-court passing shot to break 4-2 love in that uh, in the first oh, uh, 
zero up service game of the fifth set, excuse me, 30-40 point, hits, it's like a 20-shot rally, hits this insane cross-court drop shot, then hits the cross-court flip shot, you know, short-angle pass. There's like three players, maybe, maybe, who can pull off that combination. He is one of those three, and of course, again, you just look at the numbers. He's going to have all of the records when things are said and done. I will say, though, last night's presser was weird for Novak Djokovic, talking about, I mean, I don't think he meant it like that. He's talking about the mindset. I'm playing this match in New York like it's my last match. That's just the do-or-die attitude he's trying to convey. But, you know, again, wouldn't it be kind of Djokovic-y to win this major, set this history, take slam number 21, and then be like, yeah, I'm good. You know what? I I am the best. I'm gonna I'm gonna retire right now when you least expect it. That it's kind of a Djokovic move, and I wouldn't. I mean, I would hate it because I'm not ready to be done with Djokovic. You can't leave when you're still this good, right? There's too much tennis left to be played for him. That said, as a perfectionist, does Novak really want an era where he's not the unequivocal absolute best? I don't know. And so it's going to be interesting to see, uh, just again, that performance, how much he has left in the tank, because he is going to need it all against Daniil Medvedev tomorrow. And you look for Medvedev, it was a straight set win for her, for him, excuse me, over Felix Ogier, Aliasim. I mean, four, five, and two, and I apologize, I'm not going to talk too much about this match, because I do want to get to Knoxville. I do want to talk about Fernandez and Raducanu shortly. But you look for Daniil Medvedev, I mean, made 69% of his first serves, won 81% of those first serve points, 52% of his second serve points, 5 of 5 on breakpoint chances, 17 of 23 at the net, 37 winners against 25 unforced errors, essentially the inverse of Felix, who had 17 winners, only 17 winners for Felix against 39 unforced errors, 10 double faults for Felix, 12 of 34 for Felix on second serve points. Felix didn't bring his best tennis, and shout out to Gil Gross, who beat me to this take, and I blame the fact that I was obviously on the call for the Knoxville showdown and not watching closely. As a superstitious man, how are you going to get a haircut, Felix, when you're playing this well? How are you going to get a haircut before the semifinals? Let it rock, my friend. The fro, you know, the flow, excuse me, not the fro, the flow is working. Don't cut the flow when it's working. Like, ugh, the tennis gods, the karma, that, that's where, you know what, that's what I'm going to lay this entire result on. It had nothing to do with Daniil Medvedev. It had exclusively to do with the fact that he ruined his rhythm, ruined his flow by getting the flow chopped. I believe someone referred to it as a dome slice is what I heard the other day. That's what kids are calling haircuts nowadays. That's, that's above my pay grade, folks. But, you know, again... In reality, it's just because Daniil Medvedev's a freaking nightmare, and I've talked about it, you know, during his win streak at, through the year-end finals in Paris and the Australian Open final he made at the start of this season, he was holding serve over 90% of the time, actually over 92% over Prime Isner, and he was breaking serve over 35% of the time, better than Prime Djokovic, better than Prime Rafa. That's the number, you know, again... That's the numbers, that's the math behind what Daniil Medvedev's been doing on hard courts, and that manifests itself in the eye test. His first serve is an elite weapon. He's six foot six, and he can crank it 120, 125, 130 at will. Of course, he can hit all of the spots as well. He's just exceptional feel, exceptional movement, just that first step. He knew exactly when Felix was going to pull the trigger, whether it was the cross court forehand, the inside in, the inside out forehand, backhand down the line. His anticipation skills are second to none. And, of course, the way he absorbs and redirects pace, that might be his most special trait. That backhand can go wherever he wants it. He can hit the backhand slice. He can hit the drop shot. He can move forward. Now, can he generate enough pace to hurt Novak Djokovic 
Or is that going to be a track meet as well? And is that the better move? Can Daniil Medvedev beat this version of Novak Djokovic in a track meet, just given how much tennis Djokovic has played through his first six victories at the U.S. Open? It's a legitimate question to ask. Daniil Medvedev has been that good of late on hard courts. And it's, it's, a, it's you know, a, a worn-down Novak Djokovic. At the same time, we just saw Djokovic smack Medvedev in the Australian Open final when it felt like Medvedev had all the momentum in the world. And again, you just, you look at, and I apologize, you heard the buzzer there, you look at what Novak Djokovic has been able to accomplish here this season, um, I just don't know how you doubt him. I, I just, again, it feels like in every moment he's come through in the clutch, excluding the Olympics, which again was two out of three sets, so it's a smaller margin for error. Does he end up beating Zverev in that semifinals if it's three out of five sets? I don't know, but... I haven't seen anyone beat him in best of five this year. And, you know, again, if anyone's got the skills, it's Daniil Medvedev because he's got the first serve to win free points. He's got, you know, the weapons, forehand, backhand, drop shot to just hang with. There's no glaring, discernible weakness for Djokovic to attack over and over again. But does he generate enough pace, Novak Djokovic, uh, Daniil Medvedev, to make things easy enough for himself, to actually put Novak Djokovic away? Because if a match is on Novak Djokovic's racket, respectfully, you're just never going to win that match. So again, Medvedev, straight set win over FAA. He now uh, reaches another Grand Slam final, and you look for Medvedev final at the 2019 U.S. Open final, at the 2021 Australian Open final, at the 2021 U.S. Open. He also made semifinals 2020. So he's gone semifinal or further in the last five hardcourt slams. If that doesn't solidify, he is, you know, him. It goes Djokovic one probably Medvedev and Zverev 2A and 2B, and probably in that order where Medvedev's 2A and Zverev's 2B. But Daniil Medvedev, he's the real deal, folks. He advances to another Grand Slam final. Now, about to rapid fire through these takes for you from uh, the Knoxville Showdown Day 1. Going to be back for a more complete Day 2 breakdown when we only have one uh, singles match tomorrow to break down at the Australian Open. But my rapid fire takeaways, A, Columbia. Oh my gosh, are they talented? And they've got a freshman, Hugo Hashimoto. Guy just crushes the ball. I mean, the forehand is so obvious how good it is. He's got the movement. He's got the hands. He's got the feel. He just, you, you know, he, he loves the, the energy he brings on court, loves competing here in these college tennis matches with the Columbia on his chest. And I've watched a lot of college tennis over the years. You can tell the kids who just got it. From a game standpoint, they're ready for the speed. They've got the weapons. And then the energy of a college tennis match brings the best out of him. And I am telling you, I know for Hashimoto yesterday it was a three-set loss uh, to, I believe it was Joshua Lapidot of Kentucky, who looked very good, by the way, the uh, sophomore from Kentucky. Big game, you know, moves forward, I believe lefty as as well. Kentucky looked good also and you know for them the question is because it was a rough day for Gabe Diallo and you know they don't have Draxel here, they don't have Hurry in here, but the question for them coming into the season anyways, they know what they're going to get out of their one, two, and three. Who's going to be four? Who's going to be five? Who's going to be six? I think the answers to those questions it's definitely going to be uh, probably JJ Tracy, uh, JJ Tracy, excuse me, I bet JJ Mercer's in the, in the mix. He got a doubles win yesterday, he got a singles win yesterday as well and you know again his aggressive tennis, that's a that's a primetime match player. That's a guy who's seen a lot of good tennis in his two years of college. Even though he hasn't played yet, I think he is going to be dangerous in that 
you know, four or five spot for them this season. Of course, you look elsewhere uh, in terms of for that Kentucky team. I, I just thought they looked pretty good yesterday. Again, they're still trying to find answers at the bottom of their lineup, and I don't think there's a clear pecking order. I like Mercer. I, do, I think Lapidot's probably in that mix as well, just with how aggressive he is, and there's a lot of aggression in that Kentucky lineup. But, you know, again, for me, to see Columbia for the first time, they didn't have a season last year. This is their fourth day of practice on the year they were just all, you know, again, they were they were really, really talented. And that's the key thing is four days of practice, and now you get three months if you're Coach Howard Endelman, Coach Rich Bonfiglio, to work everything out to try and, you know, figure out who goes where. Austin Huang, who lost yesterday but has been such a sure thing for uh, the team. They're, you know, again, they're ready to rock and roll. Uh, the, he's going to find his sea legs. I think uh, Coatson yesterday, who beat Diallo comfortably in straight sets. I think Alex Kotzen's going to be a top-20 player this season now. I saw him here this morning practicing 7.30 before the team got here at 8.30. And so I'm on the Kotzen bandwagon. Huge forehand. Was a top recruit. So much talent. This Columbia team, back-to-back top four recruiting seasons. They are that good. I am looking forward to seeing them take on Tennessee today. And, you know, that's part two. No Walton, no Harper, no Prada. That said, you know, I thought uh, Mitsui, their super talented uh, freshman, looked super talented. And he and Emil Hud, if they're at three doubles for this Tennessee team, they're going to win every doubles point next season because they bring back Monday and Prada, because they bring back the defending NCAA champions in Walton and Harper. Tennessee will not drop doubles points. Now for them, how do you replace Wienemann? How do you play, replace Hussey, who are rocks at the four and five singles position? And, you know, who emerges as that number six guy? Well, Hud's certainly going to be one of them. Emil Hud, straight set win yesterday. What was it? I think he played two singles for Oklahoma State and was, you know, a top 90 player in the country. He's in. He will be in the lineup. I also think Matsui, super talented. They're freshmen, still trying to figure out sort of the cadence and the rhythm of a college tennis match. But, boy, is that guy legitimate. Monday loses yesterday to Daniel DeJong, but I thought that performance had more to do with DeJong. And my takeaway, last takeaway for you, oh, my God goodness is freaking Pepperdine. They've got some talent. I mean, again, if they get back Gide and Uden, uh, you talk about all the talent they have on their roster top to bottom. I thought DeJong looked really good yesterday. I mean, they earned five wins, five singles wins yesterday over over this Tennessee team that, yes, we're missing players, and yes, it's a fall event, but they earned five singles wins. And look, this, this Pepperdine team beat USC last season. They were in the mix for a bunch of different fun matches they are super, super talented. I'm looking forward to seeing them pushed again today. Not, they're not going to catch Kentucky by surprise like they did perhaps a little bit Tennessee today. And, you know, again, the matchups, Tennessee players going to be competing with the Columbia players this morning. It's then going to be Pepperdine and Kentucky in the afternoon. Should be super, super fun. Of course, last but certainly not least, quickly, Radicanu Fernandez. Fernandez has the bigger weapons. Radicanu the more well-rounded game. Radicanu hasn't dropped the set. She's so well-rested, but Fernandez has seen everything, and she's just ready for the atmosphere, ready for the grind, ready for the fight. Uh, Give me Fernandez. Three sets, but again, that means I'm guaranteed to be wrong because I've been wrong about both of these players all tournament long. First teenage final at the U.S. Open since Sharapova, uh, Sharapova, excuse me, versus Serena versus Hingis in uh, 1999. Obviously, we know what those two went on to do. They were a little bit more established than these two are, but Boy, is that an exciting nightcap. But again, that's where we are at right now. 
women's and men's singles finals to go at the U.S. Open. Day two of the Knoxville Showdown coming up. If you have missed any of the action, follow it all on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at CrackedRackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at GreatShotPod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the <laughs> of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out to our friends at TennisPoint, TennisPoint.com. The promo code is CR15. With that set, for super producers, Fligner and Westoff, for our friends at TennisPoint from all of us here. At both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Kruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.